I think it's inspiring to know that for people wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, whatever their station in, is in life, if they you know feel like they're failing or feel like things are going tough, that at any moment God can take someone and raise them up and do something wonderful with them if they submit their life to Him. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. We are here to see the increase of influence in your life to make your world a better world and the world we live in a better world. Today on the Influencers Podcast, we are going to honor the life of a man who influenced this nation and the world over years and decades with profound and powerful communication and profound and powerful messaging. Doug Weed is a best-selling, New York Times best-selling author. I remember reading his books when I was in college and saying, this guy is smart and he's good with words. He's been an advisor to two American presidents. He's served in the White House as a special assistant under President George W. Bush. He's the co-founder and original board member of Mercy Corp, which has distributed in a compassionate way over $2 billion worth of food and medicine around the world. He's been influential in literature. As I said, he's authored 39 books and co-author with President George W. Bush. He's interviewed six presidents and first ladies, 19 of the children associated with the White House and the president. His most recent book, Inside the Trump White House, is a fascinating look at the presidency of our recent president. For two decades, he has been researching and writing about families, very interested in families. He has written All the President's Children, which became an instant New York Times bestseller. In fact, it was reprinted three times in its first month. He authored the book Raising of a President, which was the first book to deal with the subject of the parents of a president. His early beginnings were in Muncie, Indiana. He was raised in the home of an Assembly of God minister and church leader. He went to Evangel University, but Many universities recognized and celebrated his accomplishments as wisdom and conferred on him honorary doctorates. His influence spans many areas and many decades. In the 70s, he began writing about the Catholic charismatic movement and became a bridge-building ambassador between Catholics and Protestants, bringing them together under their love for Jesus. His life and his message transcended the world of religion and church into the corporate world. He gave speeches to capacity paying audiences in places like the Hoosier Dome in Indiana and the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. He filled stadiums in Germany and France. Millions of tapes and CDs of Doug Weed are still available and still inspiring people. In the 80s, he became an advisor to then Vice President George W. Bush. He helped organize his presidential campaign. In the late 90s and into the 2000s, he served as the advisor to George W. Bush, leading up to his years as election as president. And if you've ever heard the term compassionate conservative, Time Magazine says that was coined by Doug Weed. In the 90s, he was still influencing Arizona politics. He introduced a successful campaign in the state that now requires two-thirds vote in order for them to raise taxes. I like that. He uh, ran for politics 
and continued even into the 2000s. He was part of Ron Paul's presidential campaign. He has been an influencer in so many areas and over so many decades. We honor this man and the influence he had. We want to learn as we celebrate his life. He influenced on many levels. Uh, a person like me, he influenced through his messages, his books, his tapes. We've got two great friends on with us, co-host Dave Donaldson and America's pastor, Wendell Vinson. Great friends, and they're going to reflect. And then we have his beloved son, Scott, with us, Scott Weed, and we're glad that all have joined with us on Influencers Podcast. Uh, Dave, you knew Doug Weed personally, and um, do you have any extra comments you'd like to add or any questions you'd like to add, those that are joining us on the podcast today? Well, I think the people listening uh, that heard that 10-minute introduction uh, and a really snapshot of Doug's bio uh, only illustrates his influence in the various sectors. And as you said, Scott, think about it. I mean, at the top of influencing government in the White House, White House public liaison, he was really the first of his kind as like the faith-based director. Uh, he wrote, as you as you mentioned, best-selling books. He was working on books up until you know really weeks before you know his death. Uh, he impacted the church like few others. Uh, there are not too many people in our lifetime that that were a more sought-out speaker than Doug Weed. And and as you mentioned, he helped found Mercy Corps, which has helped millions. Uh, he was very influential in helping my brothers with Convoy of Hope uh, and now CityServe. He is one of our senior advisors, and uh, we're so honored and elated that his son, Scott Weed, is part of our team overseeing the National Grant Center. And uh, Doug, uh, his dad was so proud of him, and Scott's just been hitting it out of the park, uh, winning grant after grant for the church. And also, I worked with Doug on the Charity Award dinner. And so one of his great gifts among many is that when people would give him accolades, he would always give it away. He would give God the glory, but he would turn it back on affirming that person. So he created the Charity Awards to create this big spotlight uh, to honor uh, people from various sectors that were making the world a better place. So whether it be celebrities, sports figures, government, business, the church, nonprofit. And uh, I got to tell you, I attended uh, many of these. Wendell and Scott did as well. And uh, the anointing and the power of the Lord in that room uh, was uh, something I'll never forget. And it just shows you the, the power of honoring and ultimately giving God the glory. So there's so much that we can say about Doug and his legacy. And so we're going to reminisce a little bit and talk about his influence, but more of what we can learn from his life and legacy. Uh, but first, I, I think it's more than appropriate to hear from his son, Scott, and uh, Scott, your dad passed away uh, only, what, three weeks ago? And so we'd like to hear, you know, just, uh, you know, about how you're doing, your family, 
And then uh, I know you had some amazing moments with your dad before he graduated to heaven. Thank you, Dave. Yes, it's been quite a bit of a shock. Uh, a couple weeks after my dad passed away, my mom passed away as well. And so um, I, I'm, I'm in shock, but uh, God is good and, and uh, we're hanging in there. Uh, you know, one of the things that was really wonderful personally for me is uh, over the past few months, I've had the chance to move, relocate to Florida and actually live near, near my dad. And uh, the night before dad had his stroke, we had a wonderful dinner and a time together and got to fellowship. And uh, one of dad's uh, literary agents when he was a young man was the same agent as Dr. Seuss. And uh, dad always had an interesting quote. He said, don't be sad for the memories and the times that are over. Be glad that they happened. And uh, I'm very glad and thankful for the life that dad lived and the memories we have. You know, uh, Wendell, you and I have had a lot of special moments. Uh, would Doug share uh, some of those? I just, I was always um, so blessed by Doug's, just his overall optimism and faith. He, he had a, a perspective on life and the world that was uh, uh, unique, but it was also very inspirational. And um, I can't tell you how many times I got off the phone with Doug or uh, left some conversation with him that I just felt so uh, uplifted and strengthened. And uh, he also had an amazing gift of humor that uh, he could he could make you uh, have a perspective that had joy and uh, make you laugh. And uh, these days, it's nice to have friends that can uh, help you laugh some and, uh, and operate in the joy of the Lord. You know, without a doubt, God gave him not an extra dose of creativity. Uh, I think uh, like a truckload. I mean, it, you think about his creativity, and I had a front row seat to it traveling with him uh, while I was in college and and then working with him on various uh, ventures over the years and uh, heard him speak many, many times. In fact, I would memorize his sermons word for word, and then I'd try to give them, and then people in the audience would recognize them. And they would chuckle, but I didn't care. You know, it's like, how do you mess with a masterpiece? And, uh, you know, and I remember, you know, some of the, the favorite sermons, of course, you know, David and the Princess. If you haven't listened to that, uh, that's a must. Uh, the Fop and Fop, Fear of People, Fear of Failure. And, uh, but one of my favorites that I thought was so creative uh, was uh, he started out a message talking about King David, and then he gets partway through and he goes, oh, you guys have already heard about King David. I think I'm going to talk about Queen Esther. So he starts talking about Queen Esther and and sharing that story. And he says, you know, uh, I'm sure most of you here have already heard about Queen Esther. And and then he, he goes, some of you don't really like the Old Testament. So I'm going to go to the New Testament. He goes to the New Testament. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul. So he talks about the Apostle Paul. And you're wondering, what in the world is going on? Well, the next thing you know, he's pulling all three of those stories together. 
into a message. Powerful, absolutely powerful. And Wendell, when you and I talked soon after uh, Doug's passing, what did you say about his sermons? I think back over the years of listening to Doug preach, he his sermons were some of the most memorable. Pastors, sometimes preachers worry about people remembering their messages. Doug had a unique way of, of uh, you know, an angle that would cause you to make it just memorable. You would remember it and uh, it would uh, stick with you. And you said that, uh, I mean, some pe- people forget your sermons in a week. <laughs> well, I didn't, say, <laughs> I didn't say mine specifically. I think it was... <laughs> So, uh, I mean, some of the funny times with Doug, and there were many because he he loved to have fun. But uh, one time, you know, we were returning from an Amway convention on the airplane, and uh, I wasn't an Amway, but he was a diamond for Amway. I mean, C at the top. And so I was on this plane returning from an Amway convention, and a vast majority of the people were Amway. And so the guy that was with me decided to play a practical joke and to let the leader of the group know that I was uh, Dave Weed, Doug Weed's brother, younger brother. So he walks up to me in front of like the whole plane. He says, I know who you are. He says, you're Dave Weed. You're Doug Weed's younger brother. And I said, why? You know, no, I, I think there's a mistake. And he goes, right, right. Well, he has the the plane, the entire plane. This is something Scott Young would do. He has the entire plane, plane singing happy birthday to me. And then people are walking up with their Dugweed books, tape packs, and they're asking me to sign it. You know, <laughs> Dave Weed, flight attendant, walks up and she says, I don't know who Dugweed is, but can I have your autograph? <laughs> and uh, he absolutely loved that story. And so uh, he told me, though, uh, this was, we were joking about it just uh, a number of years ago. And he said, he goes, actually, a friend of our family came up to me and said, people are talking about your younger brother, Dave Weed. She goes, you don't have a younger brother, Dave Weed. (laughs) And so, I mean, there was just So many funny things. The other is that, uh, Scott, as you know, he was an incessant reader. So when people, he had a natural creativity, but yet he was always reading. And so I would go to church with him. We lived in the same neighborhood and uh, he was there and he would read it. You thought he was reading like the denominational periodical. He was actually using that as the cover, and inside it, it was Time Magazine <laughs> or, or Newsweek. And so he, nothing against the denominational periodical, but I think he thought Time Magazine was a little more interesting. And uh, But really an incessant learner, wasn't he? Yeah, and deeply spiritual. One of the things that always uh, blessed me about Doug was he believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he, he believed in them as being very practical and very essential to real life and to influencing others uh, for good and for God. And I think that's one of the things that's most remarkable about Doug that really opened doors for him, that he really relied on the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, to, you know, God to speak to him, God to show him stuff, God to 
you know, caused him to be able to operate in that spiritual dimension that uh, he utilized in very practical ways uh, to influence people for the kingdom in business and in government. You know, every sector. And he he wrote a book on the word of knowledge. He had the gift of word of knowledge. I saw that happen. Uh, he was uh, speaking, and at the end, uh, he wanted to have a time of prayer. And uh, and so he had people come up, and and uh, one lady shared how her husband uh, passed away uh, from a heart attack and how she was in deep mourning. And he pulls out a little piece of paper, and on the piece of paper is her name and the clothing she was wearing and her need. And obviously at that moment, I mean, she was just overwhelmed that God knew she was going to be there and knew of her need. And uh, that's just one of the most uh, powerful, memorable uh, moments. Uh, Scott, you, uh, you're you with your dad a lot at, at different uh, venues. What are some of your memories of his ministry? Flying on a plane to Springfield, Missouri, dad was sitting next to a gentleman. They began to discuss uh, each other's life and uh, the gentleman asked my father what he does, and my dad said he was an author. And he said, oh, really, what is the next book you'd like to work on? And dad said, well, I, I heard a story about a man named Mark Buntain in Calcutta, India, and feel like the Lord's calling me to write a book about what he's doing. And the man said to him, that's funny, my name's Mark Buntain. And uh, that began a relationship and a friendship that led to writing a, a book called The Compassionate Touch which sold over a million copies. And, and Dave, I know you and your brother were involved in the 80s with Dad uh, on that project. So, yeah, miracles seem to follow him. Uh, Scott, there's the public persona of your dad on a platform or in an auditorium or doing a national television program. But what about his influence on you and his family, away from the crowds, away from the authorship, just a family man with a, a son and with his, his other children. Well, Dad had an interesting life because, uh, you know, I remember as a young boy knowing Dad before the success. And I remember uh, my brother, in fact, my, my dad and mom and brother, they'd lived out of the car for until uh, my brother was seven years old. And it wasn't uncommon for them to go to McDonald's and order a Happy Meal and have my brother eat as much as he could, and then what was ever left over was divided between dad and mom. So the beginnings were very humble, and um, I saw God do a miracle in dad's life. I remember I was in, in preschool when I began to see a shift, and um, it was a real defining moment for dad. God opened a door, and I, I think it's inspiring to know that for people wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, whatever their station in, is in life, if they you know, feel like they're failing or feel like things are going tough, that at any moment God can take someone and raise them up and do something wonderful with them if they submit their life to him. Uh, one of Dad's favorite verses was in Ecclesiastes, and uh, he discovered this verse at a real low point in life. Uh, the verse says, Better to be a live dog than a dead lion. <laughs> and Dad was a traveling evangelist at the time and very poor and and not many doors opened, and he was visiting a church, I believe, in, in Michigan, and 
and he saw a poster on the wall of some youth conference, Assemblies of God Youth Conference, and he saw this preacher on this poster, and he thought to himself, oh my goodness, I'll never be able to preach at a youth conference like that preacher. I'll never be able to do anything great. And he, he, he went to the basement of this church as he prepared for that uh, service. He had been reading a book uh, about Winston Churchill titled When the Lion Roars, and um, he, he opened his Bible and found that verse in Ecclesiastes, better a live dog than a dead lion. And he stood up and got on his feet and said, Winston Churchill, you are a, de- you are a dead lion, but I am a live dog. And he knew at that point that God could do something with him because he was alive. And it wasn't long from there that God wow. began to open doors. And he was not only able to speak at conferences uh, that influenced people in churches, but business conferences and conferences around the world. And I think that's, you know, that's the story of Dad's life, but I think it's also hope for anybody, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing. Yeah, he, uh, Doug had a lot of uh, role models, and I think what was uncharacteristic is these role models were as diverse as his background. So, for example, he was named after Douglas MacArthur, so Douglas Weed. Uh, Winston Churchill, and uh, he was also uh, greatly inspired, like all of us have been, uh, by Tommy Barnett. And so uh, he told uh, Wendell and I when we wrote the book on CityServe that uh, he would go around, he was an evangelist, and, and people, pastors would say, well, if I had buses, you know, I'd have a lot of kids. If I had Johnny Cash come, and sing, I could get a big crowd. You know, if I could have angels, you know, people would come to my Christmas, you know, pageant or, or whatever. And so at first Doug says, yeah, yeah, he's got buses, he's got Johnny Cash, he's got angels. And then he thought about it. Well, why don't you invite Johnny Cash? Why don't you get some buses? Why don't you grab some angels? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And, but he worked hard, you know, to be an effective communicator. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he would study uh, not only, you know, literature, but like when he would travel to another country and Wendell and I did that uh, with him, he would study that culture. So very cross-cultural, like Paul was when he did that crossover from the unknown God, you know, in Athens. And for Doug, he would study, you know, who are the well-known figures like in Taiwan? And he would tell me it was a badminton player. And so studying that culture, the influencers, and when that culture knew that he did the additional homework to get to know them and what was important to them, uh, it opened their ears even more so to the gospel. So, Dave, I'm wondering uh, if he influenced you. He was a deep man of faith, a deep, committed Jesus follower, but he wasn't afraid of politics or politicians. And you have been able to bridge faith and the world of politics. Did, did he influence you in any of those areas? Uh, nobody has influenced me more as it relates to trying to be a bridge to the various sectors and to try to galvanize the various sectors to accomplish something great for the kingdom. 
Uh, nobody demonstrated that better uh, than Doug Weed. Uh, obviously, you know, as he would say, if he was with us today, he made some mistakes as well. I mean, there, there were some scars upon scars as relates to his first marriage. And I knew uh, uh, Scott's mom, uh, Gloria, incredible woman, incredible woman. And, and then uh, his second wife, uh, Miriam, uh, one of our closest friends. And, and as I mentioned, neighbors, a wonderful woman, but uh, he regretted uh, that. Uh, he regretted uh, some mistakes, things that, uh, you know, that he probably should have kept private, uh, that he included in books. And uh, there were things that he would communicate to me that, that even though you are pressured by peers or by a publisher, never compromise your values, never. Keep doing the right thing day after day. And because if you, <clears throat> if you don't, then those trappings can devour a lot of time, a lot of opportunity. And so those were discussions that, that Doug and I would have frequently. And he would say to me really as a warning, don't make the same mistake I made. And I love that because you know, as Henry Ford said, I cannot afford the tuition of learning from my own mistakes. And so uh, I learned a lot from Doug. A vast majority was just the positive things about him and what he accomplished. And as Wendell said, his love and faith for God, his joy, his creativity, his hard work. Uh, but I've also tried to learn from what he would uh, call his failings his shortcomings. And, but at the end of the day, uh, he would say what Doug, what his son Scott just said, and that is, you know, we're, we might be dogs, but we're alive. He's in heaven. And as live dogs, we got to make every moment count. And he did. Doug made every moment count uh, for the kingdom. The trip to Moscow <laughs> was uh, one of the one of the most uh, interesting trips I've ever taken. But uh, actually, we were in Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. We had gone to St. Petersburg, where he was speaking at a business conference. And I remember pulling up to an auditorium, a historic auditorium that seated several thousand people. And uh, they were so excited about Doug Weed coming to speak. They didn't have a clue who Dave and I were, <laughs> but they were excited about Doug. And uh, they were there ready to receive him. We got out of the... Uh, out of the car that we were in, and they were just all over him. I turned to Dave and said, uh, now I know what the Beatles felt like when they came to America, because these guys are really crazy about Doug. And it was nonstop. And uh, he would move, uh, he had the capacity to move from talking about business, entrepreneurship, but also to move right into issues of character and spiritual life uh, seamlessly. And uh, I had not been exposed to, I'd been exposed primarily to you know, preachers who were preaching the gospel and faithful to do that. But he had that ability to, to just move seamlessly in that conversation. Another funny part about that trip was uh, uh, when we had decided that we were going to leave St. Petersburg and go to Moscow, he did not want to get on one of the uh, national planes that flew, the airplane planes that were very old, planes that were from the 50s, and fly from uh, St. Petersburg to uh, Moscow. And uh, 
we assured him it would be fine. We got out there and we, we almost had to drag him onto that plane. He was so uh, concerned that that plane might not make the flight. And he was telling us about all the planes that hadn't made that, that flight. And uh, so we, we almost had to sedate him just to keep him on that flight. It was really something. <laughs> yeah. We had so many uh, fun trips uh, together. Uh, but I remember you know, when we first started working in Washington, D.C., and we were just getting started, but God's favor was so great. And I said to Doug, if, if I said to Doug, if they only knew, if they only knew, he looked at me and he said, if they only knew, Doug served a big God. We all know what it's like to be underestimated. And you think about a God that we underestimate over and over again. But Doug served a huge God. Amen. I mean, where nothing was impossible. Nothing. And he is, you know, I, he's having a lot of... Uh, a lot of parties up there. He loved he loved parties. He loved having fun. And uh, there's a lot to celebrate because I don't think there are too many people in our lifetime that have inspired more people than Doug Weed. Friends, you're going to love this. Uh, we are ending today in Doug's own words. This clip illustrates his ability to speak to a wide range of audiences using humor, history, the arts to proclaim biblical truths. Here is the late, great Doug Weed in Why I Know There's a God. Enjoy. In case you've ever wondered in your experience in life, is there or is there not a God? Is, does God exist or does God not exist? I'm going to tell you how I can prove there's a God. You say, come on, this is a network where we're FFS and now how you come up on it, you're talking about God? What's this about? I'm just, this is an extra, just to tell you, it just so happened coincidentally in my lifetime, I stumbled across this and I can prove there's a God. What happened is on the uh, dress rehearsal for parent night, uh, just before the dress rehearsal for parent night, the band instructor learned that I was the squeaker. He was very angry and he felt very bad to the little girl that got blamed for everything. And he was very angry at me. And he said, only, only one condition will you be allowed to play on parents' night. And that's if you don't actually play. You just act like you play. I don't want you to even make a sound on parents' night. And tonight at dress rehearsal, don't make a sound. I want you just to act like you're playing the clarinet. Only under those circumstances will you be allowed to play on parents' night. So I said, okay. So... So during the rehearsal, as we were playing, she squeaked. <laughs> and the band instructor said, we you're out of here. You're out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're out of band. You will not play on parents' night. Go, go, go. I took my little clarinet apart, like when I take your toy and put it in, it goes in the air.
I walked away and I didn't get to play in Paranet and I was the only kid at Fall Creek grade school that got, it was traumatic, that got kicked out of band for squeaking and I wasn't the squeaker. She was the squeaker and I got kicked out. So, see, there is a God. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.